Good evening and welcome to worship here at our Savior's Lutheran Church on this Good Friday. There is a bulletin available on our website that you can download if you would like to more fully participate in our worship service this evening. Tonight, we welcome our youth choir ensemble who will be sharing a gift of special music with us a little bit later in our service. Finally, I remind you that worship will continue on Easter Sunday morning. You will find our worship service available at 7 a.m. on our OSL YouTube channel, on our website, as a podcast, and through our radio broadcast at 10.40 a.m. We enter now into this time of worship and we gather in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, look with loving mercy on your family for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed, to be given over to the hands of sinners and to suffer death on the cross, who live now and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Tonight, for this Good Friday service, we will hear the Passion story from the Gospel according to John. After each reading, we sing together, Come and Fill Our Hearts, number 528. The Holy Gospel according to John. After Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples ac across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with the police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with him. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me?
So the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. When Jesus had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face saying, is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? Peter denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the cock crowed. And they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. 
If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, what is truth? After he said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was abandoned. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die because he has claimed to be the Son of God. heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement, 
or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now, it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the Jews, here is your king. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate asked them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but we'll get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop 
and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because that Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified, so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, They will look on the one whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so, because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. The Gospel of the Lord. Tonight, we gather in the shadow of the cross, in the darkness together, be it virtually, once again this year. I remember last year's Holy Week, the blur that it was, just in the beginning stages of the pandemic, thinking we were facing a much more temporary pause in life as usual then that pause has become. I remember how shifting to recording worship was so new and so stressful. And I remember how much I did not love watching myself give a sermon. All my weird tics and unnecessarily moving hands, I had no idea. Over the past year, however, I have gotten over it, over myself. And my hands just help me talk. It's just the way it is. But what has remained uh, to be true is that it's really hard to share a sermon when there is no one in the room. And at home, my cat, bless her heart, just doesn't seem very interested. 
So here we are, a year later, in another Holy Week, still physically distanced. And I miss sharing worship with you, especially this week. I miss enacting our holy rituals and traditions together. I miss hearing your voices as we sing and pray. Some might say that we entered the season of Lent last year, and in some ways, we never left it. Yes, Lent has come and gone and come again. Yes, we have continued to worship virtually. Yes, we've continued to be the church in the world in our service and love. Yes, we've continued to share Holy Communion virtually too. But, but we have also been fasting for a long time. Fasting from in-person worship, from parties and large social gatherings, from handshakes and hugs, from eating out and dinner with friends, from seeing one another's faces in general. We have sacrificed many of the simple joys of life together for the sake of our care for one another. And it has been hard, harder for some than others whose living and dying and grieving has been profound this year. A long time ago, I was given a book by Frederick Beekner entitled, Whistling in the Dark. It was a gift from my then camp director, Pastor Bob Quam. If you listen to my Palm Sunday sermon, you know that he died just a few weeks ago. He died during this pandemic, during this time of fasting, which means he died more isolated than he would have been. He died when those who loved him were less physically present in his life. He died more profoundly in the shadow of the cross, as so many have this past year. In remembering the book that he gave me, it makes my heart both heavy for loss and full of gratitude. I've mentioned this gift before, I think even in a Good Friday sermon, yet never has it spoke so profoundly to me as it does this year. In the book, the author suggests that Faith in action is sort of like whistling in the dark because faith gives us courage to move forward. Faith helps to hold the shadows a little more at bay. Faith helps us better glimpse the light sneaking in, sometimes just through the cracks, which is enough, even more than enough to see our way through forward, to see those around us who are there for us, who love us even from afar, from Zoom windows, from six feet away in our front yard, on the phone, praying for us as we pray for them. Faith in action is like whistling in the dark, whistling a tune that reminds us of who we are. There are so many shadowy uncertainties in this life. This past year, we've become profoundly more aware of such shadows, shadows of loneliness and isolation, of how tenuous life is, of how those who are most vulnerable in our world always suffer first, always suffer the most. And if we are lucky enough to live long enough in this life that we're given, all of us, regardless of our privilege, will face more and more loss. We will grieve many little and big deaths along the way, all the more the longer this life we're given. And for all of us, there will be times the darkness will just feel all-consuming, like it did at Golgotha for Jesus, for his friends, 
who stood in the shadows around his cross, for his friends who hid further away from view, even more enveloped in darkness. Sometimes in this life, the darkness is especially dark. And yet, even as the dark, darkest of dark swirls around Jesus, his passion story still whistles a tune of love, of peace, of trust in God's purpose and presence. Through the story we've heard tonight as told from John's gospel, through this story, even as the darkness swirls, we can still hear God's tune of love and promise whistling in the background. Ever since the word became flesh and dwelt among us, John says, that tune has played. But even long before that, when in the very beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, when all things came into being through God, the song of creation played a melody of love, which sang forth in the light and whistled in the dark. All through Jesus' passion, as he's condemned before Pilate, Jesus stands as truth and love and whistles in the dark. As he hangs on the cross and gives his mother to his disciple and his disciple to his mother, Jesus whistles a story of love, connection. As he dies and gives up his spirit as all is finished, God's life is poured out in a song of love. And after his death, secret disciples who had once only walked in the shadows begin to whistle their own tune as they provide spices and a burial place. God's song of love whistles in the dark through it all and soon will sing out loud and strong with the fullness of Easter dawn. As I shared in my Palm Sunday sermon, Pastor Bob Quam was one who whistled in the dark for me, who sang a song of faith that has profoundly shaped me and my ministry as your pastor. Bob, who never celebrated his birthday, but only his baptismal anniversary. Bob, who lived the rhythm of faith from death to life, through darkness into light, ever growing and changing and questioning and erring and being made new. Or as our baptismal liturgy reminds us, dying to sin and rising to new life, whistling in the dark and singing in the light. On this holy night, However dark your darkness is right now, may you trust that God has never, will never leave your side. May you listen anew for the tune of love that whistles around you. May you look for the cracks of light breaking in. And may you be inspired to whistle your own tune too into the darkness, into the lives of those you love and those you're called to serve. For your little tune can be what bears them up, can be what bears them light and life. May we whistle in the dark as we watch and wait for the light that comes as we are being made new so that we might sing once again. For Easter is always God's refrain. In the name of Christ. Amen. As we hear our special music tonight, I invite you to consider the ways in which you are called to be generous with your gifts of time and talent and resources. We welcome your offering to OSL 
and in the support of our ongoing ministry. You may send your donations to our church office, or you may use the online giving option, which you can find on our website at oslme.com. In gratitude, we now hear an offering of special music from our OSL Youth Choir Ensemble as they share Under the Weeping Tree.
The bidding prayers have been a part of Christian worship on Good Friday for centuries. As Jesus draws all people to himself, we pray for the whole world for which Christ died. After each petition, we sing, O Lord, hear my prayer, hymn number 751. Let us pray, brothers and sisters, for the Holy Church throughout the world. Almighty and eternal God, you have shown your glory to all nations in Jesus Christ. By your Holy Spirit, guide the church and gather it throughout the world. Help it to persevere in faith, proclaim your name, and bring the good news of salvation in Christ to all people. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. pray for our sisters and brothers who share our faith in Jesus Christ. Almighty and eternal God, you give your church unity. Look with favor on all who follow Jesus, your son. Make all the baptized one in the fullness of faith and keep us united in the fellowship of love. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jewish people, the first to hear the word of God. Almighty and eternal God, long ago you gave your promise to Abraham and your teaching to Moses. Hear our prayers that the people you called and elected as your own may receive the fulfillment of the covenant's promises. We ask this through Christ our Lord.
let us pray for those who do not share our faith in Jesus Christ. Almighty and eternal God, gather into your embrace all those who call out to you under different names. Bring an end to interreligious strife and make us more faithful witnesses of the love made known to us in your Son. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. for those who serve in public office. Almighty and eternal God, you are the champion of the poor and oppressed. In your goodness, give wisdom to those in authority so that all people may enjoy justice, peace, freedom, and a share in the goodness of your creation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. pray for those in need. Almighty and eternal God, you give strength to the weary and new courage to those who have lost heart. Heal the sick, comfort the dying, give safety to travelers, free those unjustly deprived of liberty, and deliver your world from falsehood, hunger, and disease. Hear the prayers of all who call on you in any trouble, that they may have the joy of receiving your help in their need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. our Lord would have us ask. 
our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Behold, the life-giving cross on which was hung the Savior of the whole world. Jesus. 